we're going to pray over the word this morning, and um, I'm just uh, really tender toward what the Lord has put in my heart just to share with you today, because the sense that I have is that it's just God's heart for us this morning. And, uh, and I've pressed in just to hear his heart uh, in the days leading up to this time and last night and this morning. And there's just a tenderness to me about some things that God would have to say to us. I don't know that they're going to be earth-shattering revelation, but uh, they are specific. They are for an appointed time. I believe that it's for the season that we are in. And so I'm just trusting the spirit of truth to do what only he can do and make this truth that is personal to you. Amen. And I love it how he does it. I love it when he does it. I know that I trust him for it on a daily basis. We know the word says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so I want to ask you to just join with me in prayer and let's trust and open up wide to receive the words that are proceeding from his mouth for you and I today. I believe if we'll grab hold of these, that they will give us the place that we need the eyes that we need to see by, and um, the next steps that we need to take for the days ahead. Amen? So can we do that? Can we just go before the Lord in prayer? Father, we just thank you for this appointed time that we are in. And we thank you, Father, that this is a time that has not caught you by surprise. Lord, we, we trust you for that, and we thank you for it. And so, Father, this morning, we open up wide to receive words from your heart. Father, words that are spirit and words that are life because they bring power to change us. Your words bring power to change things around us. And Father, that's, that's what we look to you to receive today. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would think through my thoughts and speak through my mouth. And once again, we give you permission to just come and God, if necessary, by what you would show us today, we give you permission to rearrange the landscape of our lives to put us in position for whatever it is that you have for us for this time that we are right now standing in. And God, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Well, if you brought your Bibles today, if you would open up to the book of John uh, chapter 14, and um, we're going to take a look at a few verses here. And uh, as you're turning there, I just want to uh, mention, you know, um, nothing that's new to any of us, but, you know, the time uh, of the world that we're living in and the culture that we're living in. Um, I don't know about you, but it just seems like on a daily basis, there just seems to be more and more that we just kind of stand in shock, watch the news and shake our head and go, is this really happening? Is this really, is this really taking place in our world? Is this really what people are, are saying and doing and thinking and and things play across our TV screens. And we think, how could people think that way? How could people see it that way? How could people act that way? It's a, it's a shocking time to live in. But once again, we know that this isn't a time that has caught God by surprise. And yet, there is a place that he gives us to live in it. 
How many of you know that we could have been born at any time, but God entrusted us to live for such a time as this? We could have lived in a less volatile time. He knew the things that were coming. It doesn't mean it was his will, his plan, but he gives us the words that we need to secure us, to give us the posture we need to take because we know this, that we are not here to merely survive it. We are here to transform it. Amen. But what I appreciate about God in in the sense that I have of his heart for us this morning is that he does not intend for you and I to just figure that out and do it on our own. But he gives us what it's going to take to live his version of this time that we are born to affect. How many of you can say amen to that? Before we look at these scriptures, I, I believe I have mentioned this here before, but it serves a purpose to mention it again. And that is just simply something that God dropped into my heart coming in to 2021. And it was at the end of 2020. And I had taken a few days to just pull back and spend time with the Lord, you know, after ending a year like 2020, just to hear from heaven and say, you know, God set me up. What is this next year going to be like? And what do you have to say about it? And one of the things that just really reverberated on the inside of me was this particular phrase that God spoke to me about this next year. And when he did, I I knew it was for me personally and the ministry that I'm called to. But the sense that I had was that it was not just indicative of what he had for me. It was what he was doing and saying to the body of Christ and even in our world at large. And I believe we can see that by the things that I previously mentioned. The phrase was this, that this year would be a year of transition and transformation of transition and transformation. And how many of you know that transition, a lot of times if you're ready for change can sound like a good idea, but transition can be a chaotic business. It, it can be downright volatile at times, especially when, which is many times the case, you're in transition, but you don't yet fully know exactly what it is you're transitioning to. And we're hungry for what that looks like. We want to know the the fill-in-the-blank answer to that equation. What is it that I'm moving to? And typically, especially if you've got a little bit of go-getter in you, kind of like, you know, I think I got in my DNA from my mama and her mama before her. But you want to know the answer of what you're headed to because then you can put those know-how skills and those abilities to start carving a path to get yourself there. But as God spoke to me one time, I'm reminded of this this morning. I remember one time he just said, Jen, I got a million ways for getting to you what you need that you wouldn't think of in a hundred years. He was putting me in my place. How many of you know sometimes we need to be put in our place a little bit? Amen. And, uh, and so we want to know the answer to what we're transitioning to. But this word that God has for us. I believe it's not so much about us getting our eyes on getting that answer, painting in the picture, filling in the blank of exactly knowing what we're transitioning to as much as it is about where we are right now and posturing for what he's transitioning us into. 
Uh, how many of you have ever, maybe uh, you've been at the mall or, or in amusement park or something, and you're trying to get to a, a, maybe a certain store or a certain ride, a certain restaurant or location, and you finally wander up to one of those kiosks, you know, with the map, and you're so glad when you find it. And so usually, you know, your eyes just searching for that place you're trying to get to, to figure out where it is. But how many of you know, before you figure out what that is, the first thing you need to find is that little red dot on that map. And what does it say underneath the little red dot? It says really three really powerful words. You are here. Because before you can find out where you're trying to get to, come on, can we get a little Pentecostal in here today? I didn't wear the shoes for it, so that's as Pentecostal as it's probably going to get. But, but we need to know where we are, that you, you are here. And when you are in partnership with the God of the universe... It's not so much figuring out your own way of where you're getting to as it is standing in the fullness of the grace and the peace and the strength of God, knowing he's going to lead you by your spirit, but letting him say, this is where you are, but this is where I'm taking you to. I want you to look at this verse in the book of John chapter 14, and I want us to start in verse 1. This is powerful truth. Just let this just marinate your, your thinking in your heart, especially living in a time like this. Verse 1 says, let not your heart, everybody say your heart, let not your heart be troubled. That tells me right there, reminds me that I get to choose what condition my heart is going to be in. It's not earth shattering revelation, but it's powerful for right now. Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because you believe in God. This is Jesus speaking here. And he says, believe also in me. He's painting a picture here of the dichotomy of living in chaos, but not letting chaos on the inside of you. And it's not because you've stuck your head in the sand and you're unaware of what's going on. It's that you believe in someone who's greater than the circumstances that are transpiring around you. It's that we have put our trust in someone that is able to carve the path beyond our own ability to carve the path. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why? You believe in God. Believe also in me. Verse 2 says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I, I was looking at this verse late last night and into this morning. And it's really interesting, this word place. We know that in one instance that Jesus is talking here about the place we'll spend in our salvation of spending eternity with him. And, um, and he's prepared that place for us. But when you look at the word place, it is readily easy to see that he was not just talking about where you and I are going to spend eternity. How many of you know that when God is speaking, he's always speaking to multiple things at one time? 
God's word, his manifold wisdom is always speaking to and pulling back the veil for more than, than one thing at a time. That word place, there's so much that could be understood about it. It speaks to literal geographical places, but it also speaks to this. That word place means I go to prepare an opportunity for you. I'm telling you, this is a word for somebody today. It means this, I go ahead of time into your future to prepare occasions for you. I go to prepare a portion of space, listen to this, that is marked off for you and you alone to occupy. How many of you know that the things that God has prepared for your life, nobody else can take your doors. They are your doors. When we remind ourselves of that, you know what it does? It secures us. It vaccinates us from jealousy. It vaccinates us from envy. Why? I don't have to worry about, about what you're stepping into because you stepping into that is what God ordained for you. You having what he meant for you isn't going to mean lack for me. Praise the Lord. A place. It means I go to prepare a place that I meant for you to inhabit. It means you and I are meant to be there. He truly is transitioning us somewhere. I love this. It means I go to prepare a place in your story that is unfolding right where you stand. Isn't this amazing how much is wrapped up in this word place? And this one, he said, I go to prepare a place for you that is an occasion for acting out what I have designed for your life. So he's setting us up here. He said, I have opportunities for you. I have occasions that I am preparing for you. I have a portion of space that I've marked off for you. I have a place meant for you to inhabit. And I have a place that you're in right now in the story of your life that is unfolding I have occasions for you to act out what I have designed for your life. All of this, he said, I've gone to prepare all of this for you. Now, when you look at this word prepare, this was actually uh, a phrase that Jesus was spoke, speaking to that was a known custom of that time. It was in essence a cultural thing. He wasn't just making a super spiritual, ethereal, out there statement that they th everybody was going, well, what is he talking about? And maybe it is just heaven. This is when I think the crowd he was speaking to realized how literal he was saying because what he said here was a custom of the time. When he said, I go to prepare he literally, in the Greek, spoke of an ancient custom that was known in that day for sending persons on ahead before kings on their journey. And they would go ahead of kings, listen to this, to level the road and to make it passable. So Jesus uses this custom, this known custom, to paint a word picture for what he's telling 
his disciples and what he's saying to us in the word. He's saying, listen, no matter what time you're living in, no matter what's going on in the culture, what you're just daily shaking your heads over going, how could this be happening in our country? How could this be happening in my life? While you're searching, going, what am I transitioning to? In his goodness, he said, I'm sending my word out. And here's what I have to say to you. You want to know what I'm saying to you? Choose what condition your heart's in. God, how am I going to do that? This is overwhelming to me. I'm standing in a place I've never known before. And frankly, God, I didn't even think maybe I'd ever be standing here. I've got no idea what to do in a time like this. And he said, here's what you do. You believe in my father. Believe in me. Believe in you, Jesus? Yeah, I'm, I'm the way maker. I'm the one that goes ahead of you as the ones that go before kings. And I prepare the way for the journey that's ahead. I'm preparing a place for you. And you've got no idea how you're going to get there right now. You have no idea even exactly what the place looks like. But you don't need to have that fill-in-the-blank answer, and I don't even need you to use your abilities to figure out the way. I need you to take the posture of my people, and I need you to stand and believe that you will see the salvation of your God. You believe in God, he said, then believe also in me. He said, because I go, and I prepare occasions and opportunities and marked off territory and a place in the story of your life that I wrote in your book before there was one of your days. I've got a place for you in the story and you are not going to be able to make this happen in and of yourself. I need you to stand and see the salvation of our God. I'm telling you, God is securing us this morning. He's giving us a footing. That word prepare also means to be fit for accomplishing anything. You see, while God's preparing the way for us, we cannot turn our eye to the fact that in the meantime, he's preparing us. How many of you know that when God's transitioning to us to something, he starts a transition on the inside and it doesn't happen usually in an event. It's over a period of time. And God starts shifting and transitioning things in us. And all of a sudden, we get in a posture in our hearts to consider things maybe we would have never considered before. And God's saying, I'm working on the, the landscape of your life, but I'm also working on the canvas of your heart. There's some things that need to be dealt with that, frankly, you haven't wanted to deal with. But in order for me to get you to where I'm taking you to, I need to transition you on the inside. Because see, what I'm moving you into, you can't carry all the stuff with you that you've got right now. I mean, this could preach itself this morning. We remember when God transitioned the people of God into a new place. One of the things he did is he said, you've got too much stuff. You're not going to need all that. You need to lighten the load for what I'm taking you into. You go, but God, this is precious to me, and, and this is precious, and, and I need this. And God's going, no, 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 no. What I'm moving you into, I've got so much new for you. Could you just trust me, believe in me, and walk with me for what I'm moving you into? 
Because he's making us fit, church. He's making us fit for accomplishing anything. It means he's preparing good and preparing blessing to fall upon us. I love this verse in Psalms chapter 40 in verse 2. The psalmist David wrote, He lifted me out of a watery pit. He lifted me out of a slimy mud that's so gross. And he placed my feet upon a solid rock. Habakkuk 3 in verse 19, it says, He causes your feet, one translation says, to be as sure-footed as a deer. You see, I believe that God is giving us footing by his word this morning. And if our footing on our left is that he goes and prepares a place for us, then I believe what he's speaking to us this morning is that our footing on our right is that he only has good to work with and he only works good on our behalf. When we look at the word, you know what we find out? That goodness is the currency of the kingdom of God. Goodness is the currency. It's what God does things by. It's what he moves by. In fact, I think one of his favorite things to do is to, he used to shock the Pharisees and the religious people by working good on behalf of those that other self-righteous people didn't think deserved it. He would do it all the time in his goodness, and he loves to tie his goodness to his mercy, doesn't it? And he would just, he would just flip their minds out and just come in and work good for people. And, and it would always, like a magnet, it's amazing how the goodness of God would always draw sort of religious, self-righteous people, and they'd show up and go, how can this be happening for you? And it was like God's favorite moment to go, I tried to tell you, jokers. It's based on my goodness, not yours. It's because I'm merciful, not because you're so great. And it was the ones that didn't live perfect lives, but threw themselves on the goodness of God that saw the goodness of God in the land of the living. And then it made them walk in a place where they could live in relationship with a God that was that good. I want to show you what I mean by the goodness of God being the currency of the kingdom. I'm just going to run through about six or seven verses here to give you sort of a snapshot of what I'm talking about. Genesis 32 and verse 12 says, I will, this is God speaking, I will surely do you good. Acts 10 verse 38, speaking of Jesus, it says that he went about doing good good. Romans 2 in verse 10 says, there is honor to every man that doeth good. 2 Samuel in verse 10 in verse 12 says, the Lord does what seemeth good to him. Psalms 84 in verse 11, no good thing will he withhold from you. How many of you know that a good God is a liberal giver of good? I mean, when he says it's good, it's good. Isaiah 61 in verse 11, this was speaking about the purpose and the call of God on Jesus. 
It says that he hath anointed me to preach good news. Isn't that interesting? Of all the things that maybe we would say, well, he's the son of God. He's called to preach deep things that are so deep, they're too deep for us to understand. He's called to preach mind-blowing things. And, and, and all these things that we could say about the son of God, the God of the universe coming in flesh. But what he wanted to describe his message as was good news. If God is giving us our footing this morning... And he's reminding us that he's prepared a place for us. Then I believe that the second part of that footing is realizing that it comes from the goodness of God. I want to make these four statements to you this morning. Number one, he knows what those preparations must be for where he's transitioning you to. Somebody say he knows. He knows what they need to be. You and I don't know, but he knows. Number two, he is equal to the task for making them. All my multitasking friends out there this morning, I want to remind you that even though you don't know, he is equal to the task for preparing those things for you. Number three, he has not gone on an errand on your behalf that he cannot fulfill. And number four, he is the worker of good, and he only has good to work with. Philippians verse 1 and verse 6 says, He which hath begun a good work is faithful to perform it. I know that so many of us, and I have talked to friends of mine around the country, and I'll tell you the truth, it is really incredible how many people are living in some form of transition right now. It's happening in, in jobs, in vocations. Uh, it's happening geographically. We're certainly watching it, you know, play out in our culture as systems of culture are transitioning. Kids are going to school in a completely different way than they ever have before. Our, our government is in transition. There's transition on every side. But in the middle of this, the Spirit of God has his overlaying master plan that he is working and what I believe he's wanting us to get our eyes on this morning, it's what he said through the psalmist David, lift up your eyes to the hills from where your help, or maybe we could take a little license this morning and say where your transition is coming from. Why is he saying lift your eyes to the hills? It's not so much that we're to look to the heavens because we now have the greater one living on the inside of us. So it's not so much that we're just standing still waiting for God sovereignly to do something we're clueless of. But what he was referencing was instead of your eyes being on the earth realm and your eyes being on your humanity and what you can do on this level, lift your eyes up to a higher place, to a spiritual place, because that's where your help is coming from. And those hills aren't so much that you're lifting your eyes physically to the heavens, but it's lifting your spiritual eyes to the spiritual place on the inside of you and making a choice. Because there is a choice where we could choose to live in fear and try to fix it. 
If we let our heart be troubled, we're going to live in fear and we're going to try to fix it. But if you're living in fear and you're trying to fix your fear or even trying to fix yourself into getting out of what you're afraid of, all of that is nothing more than behavior modification. And God's not interested in that. God's not even saying get yourself out of fear and you better figure this out. He wants nothing to do with our behavior modification. But there's two different kinds of a posture we can take. And this is what he's saying, lift your eyes to. It's not behavior modification. These are relationship words. And he says, trust me and be led by me. Trust and being led are relationship words. They are not two things you can do by yourself. They demand that you be in a working, intimate relationship with something other than your ability to fix your situation. Let not your heart be troubled. Get out of fear. Get out of fixing it. And he said, put your spiritual eyes on this thing that you and I are living in. This place of trust and being led by my spirit. Because the, the blank of what it looks like isn't meant to stay blank. But you see, it could come upon you suddenly, the answer. All of a sudden, it could come to you in an instant what God has been moving you into, what he's been working you toward. One day you're not going to know, and the next day you're going to know. And in that moment, God's saying, I need you in a posture so that when that comes, you don't panic and you don't reject it. But all of a sudden, that peace that comes with the knowing and the answer begins to settle on your heart. And you go, this is new and unfamiliar. But boy, does this feel like I'm being led by peace. This feels like something that my father has. Is it good? Do I have peace? Then, Father, I trust you. Lead me by your spirit. If we are living in a time like this, then we must know that we are continually going to be walking roads we have never been on before. And I'll tell you right now, and I'm speaking from my own life and the ministry he's called me to, it shines a big spotlight on any place that you've been trying to fix it for yourself. Because there is no way... You can walk into something you've never been in before if you are trying to figure it out yourself. And God pauses us. And he says, I'm giving you a footing this morning. You want to know where to stand? I'll tell you where to stand. Put your left foot in the knowledge that you believe in me. And I'm preparing a good occasion, good opportunity, marked off territory, and a good place for you. And put your right foot in the goodness of who I am and the good that I'm continually wanting to work in your life. I'll tell you one of the quickest ways you can do it is when you hear of and you see good in somebody else's life, you rush to celebrate it. I'm so thankful that God is working out of his church this thing where we decided to stand back and judge good in somebody else's life. Who are we? God, work goodness in me. But 
but work goodness in my brother. Work goodness in my sister. Is this speaking to your heart this morning? I want to remind you of that verse again in case you missed it. Philippians 1 and verse 6. He which hath begun a good work is faithful to perform it. Even when you don't expect it. Even when you find yourself on a road you've never been on before. I'm going to close with a funny story since you had to put up with that video to start out this morning. When uh, my brothers and I were uh, younger, I don't know why, it just seems like somehow on Mother's Day after the meal was had and gifts had been given and cards, and the only point of the card was to write something in it that makes your mom cry. And if you make her cry, you've done your job, you know, as a son or daughter. So some of you that are going to Kroger as soon as this is over to get the cards that are left, just write something in it that'll make her cry. You're welcome. Um, and so we would do all this and then, you know, we'd all be kind of sitting around. Usually there'd be family and everybody's telling stories. And it just seemed like in our family, Mother's Day was the day for telling your mom the stories of the real way things went down that she had never been told before. And are we the only family that did this? And, um, you know, stories were told. And in every generation, I watched my, my mom and her siblings would tell things, and my grandmother would just sit in shock going, how could you kids lie to me that way, you know? And so then we felt emboldened, wrongly so, because we were still living in their households, but then we would all feel emboldened to tell, you know, our stories. And so I thought I would, I would just share a story that my mom's going to panic about, but because it wasn't that long ago, but... Um, a few years ago, I still lived in um, Texas. I lived in central Texas, and it was the dead of summer, and um, the Olympics were on that year, and I had gotten really involved in watching all the bike races that year, and I decided that I was going to become a biker. And so I bought a bike, you know, and it sat in my garage for months because I was always on the road. And so I had come home from a, a missions trip, um, it was the first week in August. It's just the hottest of the hot in the state of Texas. And, uh, and I had a weekend off, and I thought, today's this beautiful Saturday. I am going. I'm going on a bike ride. And, of course, I had gone out and bought the bike outfit and the helmet. I mean, if I was going to do this, I was going to look the part. And so I've got just, you know, my, my uh, bike outfit on and my hat. And so I take off on my, my bike Central Texas, first week in August, and I was going to ride just around my neighborhood and get on the main drag, turn around and come back. And so I'm out on this beautiful bike ride, and I had left at about 11 o'clock, and, um, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to go that far, and I'm just going to make sure the bike's working good. And so I didn't bring any water, and I didn't bring my cell phone. I know, all the mothers are sweating in here already. So so I start off on this bike, in a, so I get to the main drag, and I'm going down, and I see the turn to go back in my neighborhood, and I thought, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I can push it today. I'm doing, I'm really getting this bike thing, and I'm seeing all these pictures of all those Olympic bikers going through the Alps, you know, and those mountains. I got this. How hard could it be? And uh, so I thought, I'm going to pass this turn off into my subdivision and go down to the next one that's a little farther down, and I'll turn and work my way back. So I keep going down this main road, and I'm waiting for that turn, and I'm waiting for that turn, and it just never comes. 
And so I get about another, I don't know, two or three miles down the road, and I finally see this turn that I think might wind me back. And I get on this road, and it is just taking me farther and farther out. Well, it's been about an hour and a half, couple hours now, and so it is the heat of the day, the first week in August in central Texas. It's probably about 100 degrees with the heat index, and I am dying a slow death. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I can feel my body overheating, and I pulled over at one point and got under a shade tree and just let my body temperature go down. I thought, I just got to make it back to my house. And so I get on it, and I ride a little more. I can feel my body temperature rising. I'm getting a little woozy. I'm thinking, I don't think it's supposed to feel like this. And, uh, and so I go a little more, get under a shade tree. Well, now I'm really panicking because I really have no idea where I am. And, and I know I'm just, I'm real, I don't think I'm going to make it. And so it's safe to say I'm on a road I've never been before. And uh, so I thought, I, I've got to make this back. And so I go a little bit further, and it, it's really bad now. I'm really overheated. I'm getting chills. I'm so hot. I'm a little blurry vision, and I'm, I'm just losing strength. I can barely pedal. This is a terrible thing to do to my mother. So, um, so I literally pull over on the side of the road and just lay the bike down, and I walk into these people's yards, and there's just this big tree, and I just sit under this tree because I feel like I cannot take another step. And uh, so I wait a few minutes, and it, it's clear to me, I'm, there's no way I'm going to make it back to my house. And so I, I look up these people's yard, and at the top of this little slope is, is this little uh, precious ranch home that's there. And there's like three minivans in the driveway. And so I'm staring at that house, and I'm thinking, there's either nice people in that house or axe murderers. I don't know why I felt like it was one or the other, but it was 50-50. It was so I'm, I'm walking slowly up to the house, and I'm thinking, well, there's minivans. I don't think axe murderers drive minivans. And, uh, and then I, I get up, and in the window, of course, it's Texas, but in the front window, there's decals on the house, and it says, like, God bless our military. God bless the United States. I'm like, all right, these are, these are good people. And so I barely make it up to their, their door, and I'm thinking, what am I going to find? These people are going to think I'm nuts. And so I ring the doorbell, and I'm just leaning on the door. And so I hear all this commotion, and all of a sudden the door flings open, and this older woman is standing there. She's in a long skirt. She's in a, a, a cotton T-shirt. She's got gray hair, and it's in a perfect beehive, like I was transported to 1955. A perfectly coiffed beehive on her head and glasses on the side of her nose, and she just opens the door, and, and she just looks at me, and I'm in as much shock as she is looking at each other. And, and she said, well, honey, that's so Texas, well, honey, and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I am. Um, I was riding a bike by your house, and, and I, I've gotten lost, and I don't have any water, and I'm trying to get this out, and I mean just in true mama form. She reached out and grabbed my arm. She goes, get in here, and she pulls me in her house. She said, honey, you have heat radiating off of you. Sit in this chair. She sits me in this chair. So about that time, her daughter comes around the corner. She said, go get me a bottle of water and a washcloth. 
And so they come out. And so this woman that I have never laid eyes on in my life is pouring water over my face. I thought I was being waterboarded for a second. She's got this, she's putting this washcloth all over me. And I'm just standing there like, what in the world is happening to me? And she said, where did you come from? And so I'm trying to explain to her where I live. And this precious family, her husband came around the corner, and so I told him what happened. And she said, where is your cell phone? I said, I left without She's scolding me like she's my mom, you know, telling me off, which I richly deserved. And, uh, and so finally, her husband bends down, and they're this precious Pentecostal family that were in the middle of having a birthday party for their grandson. So he leans down. He said, honey, where, where's your bike? I said, well, it's actually at the end of your yard underneath an oak tree. He said, all right. He said, I know where your street is. He said, I'm going to go get your bike. I'm going to put it in the back of my truck. And, uh, and then I'm going to take you home. She goes, oh, no, you're not. She's staying for the birthday party. <laughs> I said, I forgot a gift. I don't have a card. I feel terrible. And so here I am sitting there. She said, you need to get your sugar up. So they're shoving protein bars in my mouth. Now they're feeding me cake. They're still with the water. And so finally, when the birthday party was done, they put me in the truck and drove me to my house, which was just like three miles away. And I just want to say that about a month later, I um, went and got a big gift basket of like Gatorade and protein bars and a big basket. And I left it on their front porch. And I said, this is for all the other people that stop by that you rescue in front of your house. I was up early this morning and, and I was just praying over this simple word that I felt like God was just reverberating over and over in my heart of him saying, I know that you know, church, how to stand and contend. I know that you know how to take territory. I know you know how to, how to stand and keep on standing. And all the things that we've been trained so well to be skillful in his word to do. And we're, we're called to stand in all of it. But what I I kept hearing in my heart was him just saying, but do not forget that I am the God that says to you, stand still and see my salvation. I am the God that sent my son to say, I go to prepare a place, opportunity, occasions, marked off territory for you. I go to prepare this for you. That there are times for us to stand still and let these things that God has prepared for us come to us. And when the good news of them hits, when the occasion comes, when the opportunity comes, though it might be new, that instead of looking to fear and panic and trying to fix and figure it out, that our call is to go relational and to be led by His Spirit and to trust in Him. And this morning, before I left the hotel, I just spent some time praying in the spirit. And, and for some crazy reason, I was like, God, what is going on? I just kept seeing this picture of me on a bicycle. I said, God, what is this? You're taking me somewhere. I'm trying to over-spiritualize it so much, you know. I'm on a bike, God. What color is the bike? What direction is the bike going, you know? 
And I finally, I just stopped trying to figure it out. I said, God, what is it? And he reminded me of that story. And he said, Jen, you found yourself in a place you'd never been before, and there was no way you could fix it. But I had, pre I had prepared provision for you. I had the people you needed. I had refreshing for you. I had a place for you. I had a vehicle there to get you where you need. I had it all laid out for you. And all you had done is collapsed in their front yard. You thought you were lost, but in that moment, you were totally found. So God, he's moving us in a direction. And as I close, I just dropped some things in my spirit. And I just felt a, a leading to just speak a blessing over you this morning. I'm going to declare some things over you. Uh, maybe you're in a transition time. Maybe you just are in that place where you have felt like you're living in a place you've never been before. But regardless, I want to speak a blessing over you and just put his word in your heart, but moving on the path of your future. And so I just ask you to just sit right where you're at, and I'm just going to declare these words over you, but let them go in to your spirit this morning. Can we do that if the worship team wants to come as I do this? I speak this over you, and I call your spirit to attention in the name of Jesus that you are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared for you in advance. I bless you this morning, and I say that your Father has purposed you. I bless you with knowing that your purpose is big on the inside of your heart, just as God sees it. I bless you with everything that God has designed you to be. I bless you with experiencing the joy of fulfilling your purpose and stepping into your next place. I bless you with fulfilling the call of God on your life and living out the fullness of his will. I bless you this morning with being in his time, not running ahead and not lagging behind, but knowing his will and doing his will in the right time, in the right place, and the right way with the right people alongside you. I bless you today with knowing the things your father has called you to know and doing the things he has called you to do. I come into agreement with God and with his word, and I bless his design for your life. I declare over you today that your father is blessing you with the right open doors and the right closed doors. I bless you with not wasting time or effort in doing things that God has not called you to do, but being able to invest fully where God is positioning you and being fully present to today's grace and today's assignment. Father, we take that grace today. I bless you with open doors. God, we take those open doors today. I bless you with open doors to walk forward in his time, to walk forward in his calling, for you to experience the joy of fulfilling and being everything he has called you to be 
right now in the season that you are standing in. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, we receive your word and your blessing today for this place in our life. Holy Spirit, I thank you for reminding us this morning that ours is the believing part, but yours is the doing part. God, that who you've made us to be was never about just changing behavior, but it was always about relationship. That God, you're the one that changes us on the inside out. You're the one that's prepared good things for us because you only have good to work with. Father, we just cast off this morning all anxiety. Father, the pressure and the weight with, that comes with trying to figure it out. And we declare today, God, that we shall stand and simply stand and see the salvation of our God. Jesus, we take you at your word. You asked us to believe you, and we say that we do. And we trust in all the preparations that you are making for all the places that you are bringing us into. And we thank you for it, Father. And we thank you for it, Father. Let's just take a moment and just let let the Lord just speak to your heart and minister to your heart. I feel like so many of us have come in with so much pressure. But let the peace of God just get that pressure off of you. God, we choose to stand in the place of grace to trust you. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus.